welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. We're starting a new series today based on this psalm that we've been reciting every single Sunday, uh, Psalm 23, and we're calling this series The Good Shepherd. Uh, and we're going to basically go uh, on a verse-by-verse series or verse-by-verse uh, study of Psalm 23. It's a short psalm. It's my favorite psalm. It's always been my favorite psalm. I grew up reciting this psalm, and I hope in the next few weeks you're going to understand why. It's a profound psalm, and, uh, and I believe it's going to bless you. So we're going to take it slow. We're going to go one verse a week, uh, and we're going to really allow the, these passages to minister to us because this psalm was really the outcry of a young man who was a shepherd, who was a warrior, who became a king, but he was above all in the beginning and in the infancy of his spiritual life, a worshiper and a poet. His name is David, and he wrote most of the psalms that we read in the scriptures, um, but this psalm addresses, you know, a lot of the, the, the way that he put his trust in the Lord because he faced a lot of complications. He faced a lot of things in his life. And, and what this psalm does, it paints a clear picture of how he saw the Lord. And, and it gives us a picture of the character of God. And being the warrior poet that David was, he penned this beautiful song. It's actually a song that we've been reciting every single Sunday. Now, if we're going to grow in God, if we're going to grow in the Lord, part of the process of growing God is getting rid of the wrong ideas that we have about God, the wrong definitions that we have about God. And the difficult thing about definitions is that the moment you define something or someone, you reduce that person or that thing in your mind to that definition. That's, the, that's what definitions do. They eliminate other possibilities. I'm going to pick on my friend Dan for a moment. He was just here leading worship. I'm not going to really pick on him. I'm just going to use him as an example. If I were to tell you that Dan is married which he is, I'm defining him as a married man, which means that he is automatically not single, and automatically he is married to his wife. If I were to tell you that Dan is a general contractor, which he is, and he is a designer, which he is. By the way, Dan has this blessing and curse mind. He is brilliant when it comes to design because he can walk in any room and imagine it better. So it could be a blessing, but it could also be... He, walk, he can walk in any room in your house and go like, you can do this. You can knock down these walls. He loves knocking down walls. He loves down these walls. You can put this over here and put this over. His mind just works like that. But if I tell you that he's a, a, a general contractor, a builder, uh, uh, and, and a designer, automatically what I'm telling you is that he's not a lawyer, right? He is not an engineer. And if you know Dan any little bit, you know that he's definitely not a mechanic, doesn't know anything about cars. <laughs> and that's what definitions do, 
Now, let me ask you this. How do you define God in your mind? Because that's, that's, it's a problem, right? Because we are so accustomed to defining things and seeing definition as a limitation that we tend to do the same to God in our minds. Our definitions of God can reduce Him without us knowing. And we reduce, reduce who God is to, to a concept and an idea of who he, we think He is. We can say, God is big, which He is. God is big. But we end up defining Him in our minds and thinking, well, if He is big, He can't really take care of the little things. He's, he, he doesn't, He can't. We can say God is a mighty judge, which he is. And if he's a mighty judge, that means he can't be for me all the time because sometimes I mess up. So I'm going I'm to be at the opposite side of him. God is powerful, which means, well, he can't really be tender and caring. He's powerful. Or maybe we can say God is love, which he is. It's a definition of God. He is love. But then we think, therefore, he can't cause destruction. He can't be angry, right? When it comes to God, we all do this to some degree. All of us, to some degree, uh, define God because we don't have the capacity, the intelligence to fully comprehend the bigness, the vastness of God. And so we, we paint a picture and, but our picture will never really be uh, uh, true to how great God is. So we have, to, we have to come up with a story. We paint pictures and we tell stories, right? That's how we comprehend things. So we paint a story of God. And the picture we paint God defines how we relate to God. It determines how we relate to Him. By the way, the title of my message is Definitions. That's what it is if you're taking notes. Now, that's why when I hear somebody say, I don't believe in God. My immediate question is, what God? Show me your picture. How do you define God? How do you, how do you paint God? How do you see God? And the moment they begin to describe how they see God, oh, no, God is this, nine times out of ten, I can say, I don't believe in that God either. That's not the picture I see. And this is what's tricky about definitions. Because even if someone says, I don't think God exists, there is no God. The problem with that is this. You have to create a God in, or in your mind in order to say that He doesn't exist. you got to have a picture of something. So you create a God in order to deny Him. And that's how hard it is for us to define, understand, comprehend, and disbelieve God. Because I can ask the same thing. What is the God that you think doesn't exist? And the moment you begin to describe it, I'll probably say, yeah, that God doesn't exist. <laughs> That's how difficult it is. But, but here's what we have. Throughout history, we've had people who have had encounters, experiences, and revelations of God. And they've shared those revelations. They have expressed those revelations. And that's really what the scriptures are. 
there are stories that if you really read through them with an open heart and mind, they're too great to be made up. The, the depths of truth, the depths of, of, of intensity, the purity of the stories, the honesty about human malady, about our wrongdoing, our mistakes, and, 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 the, and the sheer presence of evil that is present throughout the scriptures, and the presence of God amid it all. You know, they're so compelling that, that the, scripture, the scriptures reveal something unique about the God of the Bible. There's something unique about the God of the Bible. And, and we find overall that the scriptures relate a story not of humans trying to figure out God. But what the scriptures relate is the story of God pursuing people. God coming after people. God revealing himself to people. And calling them his children. Calling them his people. Calling us, you and I, sheep in his pasture. And what we find is that if we open our hearts like the people of old, and if we are hungry to know God, if we are hungry for God, he will come and reveal himself to us and he will make himself known. And that's what happened to David. And that's why this psalm is so compelling. Because David himself was a shepherd. He was a worshiper. He understood what it meant to be a shepherd. And when David describes God, he describes him in that way. But there's also a way in which God describes David. And when God describes David, this is how he does it. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in the books of Acts. In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul is, is at a synagogue in this moment. And a synagogue was basically their churches in those days, Jewish churches, where they got together to learn every Saturday and every Sabbath. And the Apostle Paul came in to visit in one of the cities. And he was known because he used to be a Pharisee. And, and they said, hey, um, will you share something? Will you encourage the people with something? And he began to share about Jesus. He gave a short history lesson. And in the process, when he's sharing about Jesus, he mentions David. And this is how uh, the story goes. Acts chapter 13, verse 16 through 22. If you want to read along, I'm, I'm uh, reading from the ESV version. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand, he said, Man of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel, the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, and a, a, man, after, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. 
who will do all my will. So here we find God defining David's character. David is a man after my own heart. David started his life as a young boy seeking to be after God's heart. We read from the scripture that he, that he was a shepherd in the field, but he had a heart for the Lord. And all of David's successes came from this one pursuit. That's what made him a great shepherd. That's what made him a great warrior. That's what made him a great king. That's what made him a great poet. And when David, a man after God's heart, describes God, when he sang about God, the way God revealed himself to him, he started by saying the following. He wrote this beautiful stanza. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The first thing that opened this stanza, as, as, as he calls God, he calls God the Lord. And the actual word here in the Hebrew is Yahweh. Is, is the, the main word, the, the word that, that defines God, the proper name of God. The name that is fear, the name that invokes power. The name that when, when it's said, it brings reverence. It, it, it invokes God's greatness. Yahweh, the big, great God, he is my shepherd. Now when he says, my shepherd, what he's actually saying is, he's making it personal. And he's saying, it is my choice. He is my shepherd. I am choosing to submit my life to him as my shepherd. Meaning nothing else has God's place in my heart. He is the one that I look to. He is the one I follow. See, but David could have defined Yahweh as other characteristics. He could have defined God as king. He could have said, the Lord is my king. He could have said, the Lord is my general. But instead, he uses this powerful name of God, Yahweh. And then he expresses submission and choice by saying, he is my and then he calls God his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. A shepherd. What does it mean to be a shepherd? A shepherd is not a world leader. A shepherd is not nobody with great might. It's not an emperor. It's not a king. Shepherd. Out in the field. Here's a few qualities of a good shepherd. Number one, a good shepherd stays close. See, a good shepherd pays attention to the needs of the flock. He pays attention to the need of each sheep as well as the, the entire flock. And the God of the universe... That's what David is sharing with us. The God of the universe who created you and everyone around you, he stays close. He remains close to you. 
Look what scripture says in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 10 and 11. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Listen to this. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. See, when you submit your life to God, when you choose to call him mine, as David did, and you place your, hand, your life in his hands, he will, review himself, he will reveal himself to you as the good shepherd. And he will keep you close. And when you're out in the fields of life, exposed to the elements, he'll be there with you all along the way. Second thing, a good shepherd cares. See, he's not only close to you, but he is mindful of you. He sees ahead. And he wants you to grow. Did you know that God wants you to grow? See, a shepherd wants his flock to grow. He makes sure that you stay, that the, she, the, the sheep stays healthy. Uh, uh, there's this little book that I studied a while back, and it's a great leadership book. If you have a team or if you work in an environment where you lead people, uh, it's called The Way of the Shepherd. It's a leadership book. It has some biblical principles, but it's amazing. It's a phenomenal book. It's about this thick, small book, but yeah, uh, um, it's, it's phenomenal. It's good for everybody, but especially if you're a leader. And one of the things that uh, you learn in this book is that the sheep are very emotionally aware. Sheep are sensitive and they can sense danger and they can sense if the shepherd cares. Sheep can sense if, you, if you're for them or against them. And they are also highly susceptible to diseases and bacteria, sheep. Uh, and, and a special part that they're, they're susceptible to disease is their snout because it, there's a lot of moisture and they're all, always grazing. So the shepherd has to be proactive and be constantly cleaning the sheep to avoid any kind of, of a bacteria or mold or things like that to proliferate uh, in the sheep's body. And so he's constantly, every day, checking the sheep taking care of the sheep, removing the sheep from places of risk, literally checking, uh, the, uh, relocating the sheep, checking their body, uh, and moving them to a better environment. Now, it's uncomfortable for the sheep because the sheep wants what the sheep wants. And sheep are stubborn. And so the sh good shepherd is aware of the conditions of his sheep before the sheep becomes aware of it. He's looking ahead. He knows. He, he, he knows uh, uh, what's coming. And the same is true of God. See, many times a door will close. God will just will make adjustments in our lives. God will, will change things in our lives. And at the moment, we don't understand. When it's happening, we're like, God, why? And it feels uncomfortable. Because there's change and there's, there's, there's uh, uh, different things happening. But what God is doing is He's trying to avoid infection. He's trying to make sure that you stay healthy. Have you ever been infected by things in your soul? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise it for you. <laughs> you ever been infected by bitterness? 
in your heart? Ever been infected by, by faithlessness? Just like a season where you're like, dad, no faith. How about hopelessness? Just you got into this pit where, man, you couldn't see the future or possibilities. Infected by gossip. See, the good shepherd will deal with that. And he will deal with it the best way possible. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 says this. Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Listen, God cares for you. And, and if you make him your shepherd, he will make adjustments in your life. And those might be uncomfortable. Relationships might end. Things may change. He may put you in a new environment. And at, during it, it might feel like, oh man, it, I, I'm not sure about this. Because like the sheep, you want what you want. We're all used to certain things, and we get stuck in our patterns. But here's what you will realize. Once he brings you to Zion, as the scripture says, which means his dwelling place. Once he brings you to his place, and you begin to heal, and you begin to be restored, you're going to begin to understand. He's going to give you understanding and knowledge, as the scripture says, right? And, and when he gives you understanding and knowledge, you'll begin to understand why you thought the way you did, why you needed those unhealthy relationships, why you were part of those circles. And, and you will realize, my goodness, I, I, I was so unhealthy. I don't even recognize myself anymore. Because I'm not who I was supposed to be. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that in your life. When you look back and you go like, woof, I was a train wreck. I was a hot mess. It was, man, but thank God that he removed me from that circle. Thank God that he took me out of that community. Thank God that he gave me a new family, a new community. Thank God that he gave me a new career. Thank God that things changed. Thank God that I broke up with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Thank God that I quit eating fast food every day. Thank God that I don't watch that garbage on TV anymore. Thank God that I don't like the Red Sox anymore. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't even finish. There's a friend of mine who's a Red, Red Sox fan right here. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. Thank God that I am not who I used to be. I've been delivered. The third thing a shepherd does, a good shepherd does, is that a good shepherd speaks. Have you ever been able to distinguish some, this? Are you able to distinguish people by their voice? I think we all are, right? We all have this ability to, if you listen to someone's voice that you're familiar with, you go like, that's, that's that person. I know it. Our voices are so unique. They're so distinguishable. And uh, I, used, I, used <laughs> I used to answer my phone like my dad. I used to pretend to be him. And uh, it's funny because when I became a teenager, you know what happens to boys when they become a teenager, right? 
I used to talk like this, and all of a sudden, hey, hi. It's, it's a span of one week, you know? You were a kid, and you were moving around, and I'm like, hi, hey, how you doing? That kind of happened to me. I didn't go through a cracky voice phase very long, and my voice just uh, dropped. And it was very similar to my dad's voice. And when I was a teenager, we still had the corded phone. And the audio is not perfect in those phones, right? And so I used to answer my phone like my dad. Now, I grew up in Brazil. My dad speaks Portuguese. And so he would answer the call. He would get a lot of phone calls in our house phone. He was a businessman and a pastor. A lot of random calls. And he would answer the phone, hello. He would say, you want to learn how to say hello in Portuguese? Say, oi. Oi. Yeah, exactly, oi. He would say, oi. That was his hello. It was very unique, but people who called him knew because he was like, oi. It's kind of a little, little song to it, right? And I caught on to it. And so I would pick the phone, we'd ring, I'd go in, oi. <laughs> and people would go, oh, Mr. Miller, how are you doing? And this and that and the other. And sometimes if it was a business call, I would just call him. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's his kid. I'm his kid. Uh, Dad, phone for you. But if it was somebody from the church, I kind of knew them. So I would just go along with it and pretend to be my dad <laughs> until I couldn't anymore. And then there was, you wanna, there was a last time when I did it. <laughs> you want to hear about the last time I did it? Okay. This is what happened. Somebody from the church called, and I kind of knew this person. This person had a leadership role in the church, and, and uh, I kept leading on the conversation. I answered the phone. We, right? And I kept leading it on, and then the person uh, kept talking, and I would just say things like, uh huh, okay, and then what? All right, yeah, uh huh, all right. And then they started opening up and share private things and things that I was not supposed to hear, things that they had done. And then, you know, when a, when a prank goes too far <laughs> and it's not funny anymore, at least not to the other person? Because it was still kind of funny to me. But when it got serious, I was like, oh, what do I do? And so I'm freaking out. I'm on this, attached to this corded phone, trying to see if I can stretch it far enough to find my dad in the house to call him and see if I could just make the switch <laughs> before the person finds out. And, but it, couldn't ha it, it didn't happen. I had to come clean. I had to say, um, actually, it's not Pastor Miller. It's Little Miller here. <laughs> and the person was like, how could you? They were so mad, and that was the last time I did that. I learned my lesson that day, that there's a line. There's a line, JD. There's a line. You don't want to cross that line. Now, did you know that sheep can recognize their shepherd just by their voice? They don't even need to see the shepherd. They don't need a physical proof that the shepherd is there. The shepherd's presence is known by his voice. And that's how God reveals himself to us. Do you know God's voice like that? Can you recognize his voice? Do you have in your spirit the sensibility to know when God, your shepherd, is speaking to you.
Because he has a voice. A shepherd speaks. And God, when he reveals himself to you, you recognize his voice. And you might be here today saying, J.D., I, I really can't say that I know God's voice. The problem is this. If you don't know your shepherd's voice, you can't distinguish the voice of God from the voice of the enemy. And the enemy will try to pretend to be God and lead you astray, present you with options that are not the best for you. But he dresses up with a pretty bow, and then you can walk into complete turmoil and, and, and make terrible choices. It's important for us to recognize the voice of our shepherd. And if you're here today and you say, J.D., I really can't say if I know God's voice. Today's the day that you've got to make a decision that you will redefine God in your life. That God will no longer be seen by you as this distant, aloof God, maker of the universe. But that you will be able to recognize him and see him as your shepherd. The one who is for you, the one who is with you, the one who is close, the one who cares, and the one who speaks. God is not mute. He speaks, and He reveals Himself to us. Listen to the words of Jesus in, in the book of John, chapter 10, uh, 1 through 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter uh, the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. And when he has brought them out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. See, when God wanted us to know his voice, he sent us his son. And Jesus came, not to lord over us, but to lead us. And to care for us as a good shepherd. He served us. And you got to know this. That, that God has been looking for you all along. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. God has, looking for you, has been looking for you all along. And that's the beautiful thing about the God of the Bible. We don't go looking for him. He comes looking for us. And he came looking for us in the person of his son Jesus. But throughout the whole scriptures, you can see God looking for us. When Adam and Eve sinned, God came looking for them. When Cain was wrestling with, with the enemy because the enemy was telling him that he should kill his brother, God came looking for him. When God saw that the earth was so corrupt that it was beyond reparation. It was beyond fixing and, and had descended to such a level that he could not save them. He came looking for Noah to begin again. When he wanted to raise a people for himself, God came looking for Abraham. 
When he wanted to deliver his people from slavery, God came looking for Moses. When he wanted to purify the priesthood, when the church had become corrupt and he wanted to purify it, God came looking for Samuel. And when God wanted a man after his own heart to lead his people, he came looking for David. And when God wanted to restore humanity, destroy sin and death, he sent his son as the good shepherd. And Jesus came looking for ordinary people to change the world. Ordinary people to follow him. And they changed the whole entire world. And Jesus continues to be the good shepherd. And he continues to look for us. God came looking for you. I know he came looking for me. I was just a little kid born in the outskirts of a town in Brazil. A town called Piraberaba. And he came looking for me. And he revealed himself to me as the father. And he cared for me as a good shepherd cares for his flock. God, God came looking for my wife. When she was lonely, heartbroken, disillusioned, he came looking for her and he used his church to restore her, to, to, to build her life back up again. I'm sure that you have a story that you can share of how God came looking for you. Listen, friends, he's the good shepherd. And everyone who's lost is in his heart. You were lost once, and God came looking for you. And he rescued you. Now, why does Jesus come looking for us? Why does he come after us? He comes after us to give us his life. That's why I love the simplicity of this psalm because it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what? The good shepherd, he provides. And I can call my brother David back on stage here as we get ready to finish. He's going to play sweet notes for us. The good shepherd provides. See, that's, that's, that's the beauty of it. When I have made God my Lord, when I have made him my shepherd, as David did, I'm able to say with confidence, I shall not want. I'll lack nothing because he will supply all my needs. Because God is close to you. Because he cares for you. And because you know his voice. You too can say with confidence that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. So let's say Psalm 23, one together one last time. Let's say it together. Repeat after me. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. Say, I have all that I need. Amen. He's our provider. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Awesome. So good to have you here. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.